even way out there in Colorado, is Deion Sanders going to be a thorn in Mario Cristobal's side in recruiting? You are Locked On Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Yeah, I asked if Deion Sanders was going to be a thorn in Mario Cristobal's side. I mean, he already is. Let, you know, this Cormani McLean situation, which is ongoing. And then, you know, you also notice every time one of these 2024 prospects is dropping, like their top fives or their top eights or their top ten, Miami and Colorado appear in almost all of those. So there's definitely something interesting going on over there in Boulder. Uh, let's bring in, joining us today, one of our favorite guests here on the program, a colleague of mine at allhurricanes.com. He does an awesome job all throughout Fan Nation. Brian Smith is with us. Brian, Thank how you. are you? Happy Friday to you, sir. Uh, happy Friday to you as well. Um, you brought up a good point. I noticed what you just said before I, you put me up here on the screen. Colorado is suddenly a prominent program in the South. I mean, Georgia, you'll see a kid in you know, South Carolina or wherever listing Colorado. Look, most of these kids, if you put a map of the United States out there and you said point to Colorado, they would not know where it's at. <laughs> I barely can find it. It's shaped like a square. I know that. But I mean, like Florida kids in particular live in yeah. very small bubbles. They have yeah. no idea. So it's just ironic. And it's why he got a chance to be a head coach. It's name recognition. And it's a really interesting thing to see these kids look at the Colorado Buffaloes. Yeah, and it's like, I remember before he ended up taking the job at Colorado, there was also a lot of buzz for South Florida, right? Now, now Colorado is just being being Pac-12, being Power 5. It's you know maybe a higher stature job. That may ultimately be why he chose Colorado over the likes of South Florida. But I remember when he was considering South Florida, like I was a little bit worried about even the caliber of player Dion could get there to USF and being in the state, how dangerous that could be. But to what you just said about making the Colorado Buffaloes now like relevant to, to Southern players, uh, do, do you think he could actually end up doing even like more damage with Florida recruiting in Colorado than he could at USF because Colorado's power five? I think there's some truth to that. And, and speaking with recruits, combine seven on seven, uh, talking on the phone or Twitter, the words power five come up a lot. It's, there, there's something to it. It's not tangible, but the kids want to say they played in the Power Five. And Colorado was arguably the worst team in the Power Five this past year. They were atrocious. Yeah. But it's still Power Five. And they've got a beautiful campus. For those of you who haven't seen it, just Google like University of Colorado campus. It's incredible. It's not hard to sell it, minus the cold part. Um, I'm still not sure how that's going to work out. For a kid, whether it ends up being McLean or anybody else, but most yeah. kids from down in the South struggle with that. But uh, beautiful campus. They got Dion to sell. The key for them against Miami and other schools, they've got to find a way to take this roster that's 
a long way from where it needs to be and win some games in 23. If they can get to six and six somehow, then they become a thorn in not only Miami's side. It could be Ohio State. It could be Texas. It could be anybody. You know, and okay, you you cover recruiting very closely. Could you see a scenario where both Cormani McLean and Jaden Rashada, uh, and I, I think Washington maybe now consider the favorite for him, but I wouldn't rule out Colorado either. Like, could you see a scenario where you know you end up taking two guys who were one time Miami commits and Florida leans, or Florida commits and Miami commits in the case of Rashada and, and end up putting them both in Colorado. Could you see it playing out that way? Wouldn't surprise me at all. I actually spoke with an individual yesterday about that. Like, not, not, a, not a coach, but just looking at the math, yeah. almost everybody has a quarterback in their class that wanted one in this class. I have no idea who the Buffalo signed at quarterback, but it wasn't Jaden Rashada. I, I can assure you of that. You'd have to at least consider it. And Washington throws the ball everywhere. Surprisingly, they didn't get a high school kid, but the one they wanted decommitted went to Ohio State, so they kind of got left holding the bag. So those are, you know, they're viable options, and he's a West Coast kid. Wouldn't be surprising on either front. I have no idea where he's going to end up. Knowing a little bit from Elite 11, good kid, but I wouldn't guess on that for anything. Uh, your, your guess is as good as mine, I can assure you, Alex. We're going to go through a number of Miami prospects because there are obviously very talented incoming freshmen in the class of 2023. And we have to have a conversation, Brian and I, about the center position uh, because he, Brian, has covered Matt Lee at UCF. Um, you know, when Matt Lee came in, he trans he's transferring to Miami. I thought, you know, there'd be some sort of, sort of a competition between Lee and and Ja'Kai Clark, but Ja'Kai Clark is leaving. So now uh, it seems like it's Matt Lee's job, but, you know, who else is on the horizon at possible centers at the University of Miami? We will get to that more right here on Locked on Canes. Folks, I hope you've been getting your butts to betonline.net every single day. This is my spot to get the information, the stats, the news, the analysis, the trends. BetOnline is the place you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from college hoops, NHL, NBA. We've got it all. BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those as well at BetOnline. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So do like I do. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. Available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. So uh, Ja'Kai Clark is hitting the transfer portal. I, I can't say I blame him, Brian. Like on the one hand, everyone is like, oh, guys don't want to compete these days. But at the same time, it's so easy to transfer now. And if you think that a new guy coming in is going to be the starter over you, I totally understand. Ja'Kai Clark wants to find a place where he can be a starting center and, and God bless him. So uh, it now seems 99.9% .9 certain that UCF transfer Matt Lee is going to be Miami's starter at center. Brian, this is a player, uh, you know, it's, it, it, is he ready to make, you know, an elevation in program from UCF to Miami? How do you think he's going to fit in in the ACC? I don't think he'll have any problem at all. Um, myself and some other people that cover UCF, we all thought from seeing him play, practice, et cetera, getting to know him during interviews, everything from how he handles the media, handles practice, 
to what the other players think of him, like the running backs and stuff will talk and mention the offensive line and how they, you know, they play power football right in the middle all the time. Well, who was the guy right in the middle? The center, Matt Lee. He is what you're looking for. He, he could play at Alabama. It doesn't matter. He's just a good football player. How quickly he, he acclimates is really just dependent on him wearing the playbook. And he's an extremely intelligent guy. So I don't see any reason that he wouldn't be the starting center. Before Clark had left, I'd wonder which one would play center, which one would play guard. But yeah, apparently Clark wasn't hearing that. I wonder if Miami, and I have no idea here, had asked him, hey, would you play guard? Sometimes guys, you know, like you said, in today's era, it's my way or the highway. And unfortunately, a lot of these guys go off. And then they'll find a home that works out. But I hope Clark does. Um, but Lee's going to be fine. I bet you he'll end up being one of the top five centers in the league conservatively mm. this fall. And I don't think they'll miss a beat there. I think he'll, he'll, he'll plug right in. Yeah, and I think that as far as like I expect him to be the starter, you know, if, if they do need to to rotate and if he ever has to miss any games, like Cristobal and Mirabal like to cross train their veterans a lot. But then as far as like so Lee's got two years of eligibility left. I, I believe that the heir apparent to be the next starting center at Miami, and he could probably play some guard before that, is Antonio Tripp. Like I, I strongly believe Tripp. Uh, can play center in the future as well as guard. Could you see it playing out that way? And, and what's been your take uh, watching Antonio Tripp at IMG Academy this last season? Just watching him play, he could he just kind of personifies what you're looking for. He is a guy that's going to root out the nose guard. He's a power player. He has the natural frame to be an interior offensive lineman. And he's a gregarious personality for anybody that follows him on Twitter or checks out Miami recruiting on Twitter. He's the he best. was very active yeah. and I'm being kind and saying very, uh, he just, he just wanted to come to university of Miami. So when you have a guy that has that frame, has that mentality and he has that passion for the institution he represents, he's going to play. I would imagine his second year, he could play guard or center. Maybe they bring in another transfer or something. I don't know. Center is so hard mentally, not worried about the physical, I don't like anybody that's not at least a junior playing center in major college football. I just don't. You make one wrong line call and your, your quarterback gets smacked. And then like last year from Miami, you know, Tyler gets hurt. The, the season changed. Fair, fair or not, it's just true. You can never lose your quarterback, which I know is not realistic, but you got to at least limit it. And uh, I would be shocked if he wasn't the center by his junior year, but next year, you got to prove to me because, you know, he'll probably redshirt this year. I, you know, Cristobal loves his offensive line. I bet you they, they do everything they can to have a more experienced guy play there. Maybe he plays guard and then yeah. moving over. That's what Saban's done. A lot of the guys end up playing left tackle for them. They don't play there till their senior, like their junior or senior year. They move them around. And that's Cristobal worked under him. So I, I'm curious to see what they do with Antonio. That makes a lot of sense. You mentioned quarterbacks as well. Um, you know, Miami, uh, they're, they're down now to three scholarship quarterbacks. One of them's a true freshman. One of them's a redshirt freshman who, you know, got a little bit of experience last year starting a couple games in Jakari Brown. But, you know, there's not a whole lot of experience now behind Tyler Van Dyke because Jake Garcia is transferring. So, like, Brian, up until, you know, earlier this week, and again, like, I, I wish Garcia well, right, because I, I don't think he was going to play much at all. Uh, much or at all at Miami. So why, why not find somewhere you can? I wish him the best. Uh, but at the same time, 
I feel like Miami needs to go out and get a veteran. Do, do you feel that way, or do you think that they could make do with Van Dyke, Jakari Brown, and Emery Williams next year? You could make do, but everything is based on the following. You have to always assume the worst. Yeah. Van Dyke hasn't had one injury to his show. He had two. He came out of two games last year. Look, that's not a good sign. I, I'm somebody that used to lift too often and beat up my shoulders doing chest and stuff. I can tell you AC joints or anything in the shoulder, once you have that, it never completely goes away. And, you know, it. even if it wasn't that, he could just twist his ankle and miss three weeks. Is Brown really ready to win games, not just play, but win games against North Carolina? or Do you want him playing against – Florida State on the road at the end of yeah. the year next year. I mean, it's just true. I, and I think Brown has a chance, but yeah. he was nowhere near ready last year. And we all knew it. Yeah. It usually takes at minimum two years to get ready for college football from the shoulders up to play quarterback. It's just hard. The amount of stuff you have to know a quarterback is quantum physics different compared to like running back or DB or something like that. It just, you got to know where everybody's at. So I would try to get a transfer. Even if, and I know Miami fans don't want to hear this, it's some guy that's an experienced backup at another Power 5 school. Yeah. I just think they need somebody that is going to move the chains, that's not going to cause a problem on the roster, that can help Ja'Curry, that can help Emory. And there's plenty of those guys. It might be a kid, and I'm not kidding, from the Ivy League. It might be a kid that was a backup at LSU. It could be anywhere. Somebody that didn't even play a lot. Uh, The Howard kid from LSU went in the portal. Now, if they could get him, yeah. that's different. Yeah. He was a dude out of high school, and he's just stuck on the depth. I mean, LSU's got depth there. So, if you can get him, that's different. That, that you know, he's – there's no question he has talent, then maybe he would compete with Brown. But by and large, somebody that's at least started maybe a few games, but he's played at the Power 5 level and is going to be at least a junior, if not a senior this year, that's what I would look for. Sticking on the offensive side of the football here is we're joined by Brian Smith. You can follow him on Twitter at FBScout underscore Florida. Uh, you know, Miami made a, a veteran, and, a, and I emphasize that term, addition to their tight end room. Uh, probably the oldest player in college football right now, or one of the oldest players in college football right now with Cam McCormick uh, joining the tight end room. And I, I see him with a, uh, if I can quote Liam Neeson here, a very particular set of skills, right? It's just an excellent blocking tight end great run blocker also can be a red zone threat in the past game caught three touchdowns last year. Uh, but I, I feel like he he's going to help Miami's running game so much different characteristics from their other tight ends, which are more receiving heavy guys. But tell me about the incoming tight ends, Brian, because, you know, people probably don't know as much about Jackson Carver and, uh, and Reed McKeska or, or sorry, uh, Riley Williams or Reed McKeska is the guy who left uh, Jackson Carver and Riley Williams. What can fans expect from the incoming tight ends? Both of them have very soft hands. I wouldn't say either one of them is truly a spread tight end or a traditional tight end. They're, they're a combo, which is what they needed. They were, for whatever reason, and Miami's got great tight end tradition, they weren't very deep this past year. Mallory, obviously, very good football player. He's moving on. They needed at least two bodies to come in. They get two, in the, plus they get the one in the portal. So they kind of fit their needs. Uh, Carver, there was a video of him. He had a jugs machine throwing out passes, and he's catching them like now, like just from short distance. Like I'm just picking up a soft drink off the table, and I'm like, "This is insane!" I'm watching this video. This is insane. 
and he's got the long lean frame you look for. He looks like a kid that could play pretty early. I've seen Riley Williams multiple times under armor events. He is as crafty as it gets coming in and out of his breaks. He's not a burner, but he always seems to get separation. He's, he's the annoying tight end that the other team has. It ticks you off as a fan on third and four, the quarterback always finds that's yeah. Riley Williams and he catches everything. So when you get two guys like that, that can be inline blockers or outside, one of them's going to play. Again, just like with quarterback, anything offense with freshmen, they don't talk about it publicly because it always scares kids in recruiting, but every coach is the same thing that I've ever spoken to. Can they figure out the playbook? Yeah. That's a that's a flat-out checkbox. Yeah. I don't care how much talent you have. If you run the wrong way, you suck. That is, that is the bottom line. You've got to go the right direction. And that's why some guys don't play early. It, it's not very fun to talk about that at a press conference to embarrass a kid. Yeah. But off the record, we have those conversations all the time with coaches. And it's hard. Some of these playbooks, they're not friendly. So it, it's a hard thing to do. Whichever one picks it up the quickest, because I don't think really there's a huge separation in town. I know Williams was rated higher. Yeah. Put the brakes, put the brakes on that stuff, especially at a spot like tight end where it comes down to your manhood and wanting to beat on somebody that weighs 250 as an edge defender because they're going to put them in those red zone situations in fall camp next year. If you can't block mm. consistently for a guy that played O-line at the U, do you think he's going to put you in the lineup? Not so much. So whoever comes out of that, one of those two will play. And then the experienced guy, I wouldn't be shocked if he started in yeah. some packages or maybe even in general – because they want to be a power football team. I don't know how many passes he'll catch, but they'll run 22 package, 12 package, meaning like one or two running backs and two tight ends. Look, he knows what Mario wants. He knows the system. That is what you call a plug and play guy. Is he going to catch 25 passes this year? Probably not. Yeah. But is he going to help set the edge so the running back can score? Yes. That's good enough. So they have a system in place. And this, this was really well done by – Cristobal and his staff. Yeah, I, th I thought that was a great move. I want to talk about the defensive side of the football when we come back, because even though uh, obviously Cormani McLean's recruitment is still up in the air, I think he's trending towards Colorado, and I haven't been getting good feedback the last couple days on Jaheim Singletary, the transfer corner from Georgia. So we'll talk about the players in the defensive backfield Miami is bringing in and how they're going to have an impact when we come back here on Locked on Canes. Folks, if you're looking for a delicious, nutritious treat, if you haven't tried a Built Bar yet, I, I don't know what you're waiting for. You set those New Year's resolutions, guys, as we all do. You want to eat healthier. If you're like me, you want to eat something that's healthy and actually tasty. You don't want to compromise taste. That's why you have to try a Built Bar. It's perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes a Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it. I'm not a scientist, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. Only 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now, you don't even need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been telling you about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, and you can still do that. Use our promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off. But now, 
You can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk into the pharmacy section. Grab yourself a box of Built Bars. If you're close to a Sam's Club, like our pal Al, one of our listeners, he gets them like every week at Sam's Club. Run in and grab a 13-bar box right now. And guys, try the new granola bars. They're fantastic. I love those. I love me some Built Bars. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. You know, one of the... uh, the least talked about incoming 2023 players for Miami, and I'm partially guilty of this as well. I talk about this player very little, uh, was uh, back in late October, Miami flipped him from Oklahoma's class, and that's Caleb Spencer, was lifted was listed as a linebacker. I believe he's probably going to play safety or star at Miami. Uh, do you see it that way? And Because and, you've studied Caleb Spencer more than most. What do you think he brings to the table? Versatility. Uh, you've already said it. A lot of these young men come into the game. They're really highly rated. Uh, we'll go to a combine at Under Armour or something. You'll see some guy that's 6'3", 295, and he mauls people. That's great. He's already developed. You know, sometimes God just, guys develop earlier. Spencer is a guy that can really run. He can hit. But I don't think he's tapped his full physical stature yet. He's, you know, he's in the 200-pound range, give or take five pounds. Talk to me in two, two and a half years. He'll be 220, be a will, or be that hybrid linebacker guy, whatever, that Miami is famous for. They used to take linebackers that weighed 195, 205 all the time, 80s and 90s. That's all they ever did. Everybody said, oh, he's too small. He's too small. And then they chased down everybody from the backside, and they're like, yeah, yeah. yeah we're not too small because we're also too fast. Yeah. That's what this guy is. He, he personifies old school Miami football in the front seven because he, you know, if he's good enough to play safety, then that's a whole nother realm. Um, maybe he can, but if you can have a 215, 220 pound safety, then we, there's no need for me to even have any more conversation. Then he's just a special player, but I think he's going to play star. They'll blitz him and he's a very willing tackler. Some safeties just like to push guys out of bounds or they just go, he will hit somebody. I think he has the ability to come in and play special teams right away. And he might even play some star this year. Uh, They can give him some basic coverage things that they do. Why not? Athletically, it's not a question. Again, playbook and comfort. He's a freshman. We'll see. But I'll be shocked if he doesn't contribute. You know, to go away from the secondary for a second, when you brought up linebackers, it, it got me thinking about Malik Bryant, who I'm so excited about it. He was just sending out, uh, he just sent out an awesome tweet the other day about how he's working out at Green Tree practice fields for the first time, and it really felt like a dream for him. I'm so excited to have this player, and I, I think he, he's got all the the tools and the physical attributes to be one of the next great linebackers at Miami, Central Florida kids, so You've probably seen him more in that area than a lot of, you know, the South Florida-based people like myself had. Uh, what can you say about Malik Bryant? He is one of the more intriguing kids in the class. He played mostly defensive ends. They, they did some different things with him at uh, Jones High School, where he went in Orlando. But he was in a three-man line coming off the edge sometimes. But, like, when you walk up to Malik, there's a certain guy. I mean, I've interviewed some humongous human beings. But, like, physique – his posture and everything else. The first thing I, I don't remember who I was standing next to on the field before a game. I said, that is a grown man. Um, he, he just, he just looks the part. He has for a couple of years. He was one of those guys that got a bunch of offers early in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was at IMG, when they went back to uh, Jones, but 
he could play a lot of spots, but I was told Miami's going to play him an off-ball linebacker, meaning a will or an outside. He might play a couple of different spots, and he could also be, because he's played D-line before, third and eight. Maybe he's in that package, that speed package, you put him on the edge. He's played it before. Again, versatility. Miami's really looking for versatile players because, look, the offenses in college football today, they have all the edge. They can come out in 22 package but still go five wide. You need versatile defenders that can get out in space. Malik can run. So maybe they'll figure that out and he'll find one spot, but I bet you he plays multiple. So if we could say for argument's sake, uh, you know, that let's just assume Cormani McLean doesn't wind up enrolling at Miami. Uh, you know, you've got Robert Stafford coming in and you've got Damari Brown coming in, which of the two of those, or maybe both, like how quickly do you think they could get acclimated and really start getting serious reps in that defensive backfield? There's two ways to look at that. Um, Stafford is one of the twitchiest kids in the country. He just played at a high school in Ugali that, gets hardly no exposures in Melbourne. If he would have played at Jones, totally different story. Now, he got offers, but he's out of the way. I was one of the only guys to go see him play this year. It's just – he's just not in a spot people want to go to. But he also played punt return, kick return. He played receiver. They put him all over the place. He'll finally be able just to play corner or nickel, whatever they end up putting him at and concentrate on it. So I think he could do really well early. And he's all these freshman DBs, by the way, that you're talking about. Miami's DB board is very thin. I think it's seven guys that left for the portal already. Plus Mm, even some turn pro that's eight. I mean, it's, that's just insane to lose in one year. I don't care what program you are. They have to play. Um, I just, I'm not sure where he's going to go. I'm going to guess they'll play him at slot because he's not the biggest guy. He's a buck 70. But he can absolutely fly. But if you're talking about polish, size, and all those things, Damari is from, without question, the best DB producing school in the last decade. And that's American Heritage in, in Plantation. I mean, it's just, it's not even close. It's insane how many guys that they've done something with. He'll play and he has a length. He's at least 6'1 and he has some strength to him. I watched him at practice, I've seen him at games. He can turn and run for a longer guy in a way that makes me think he could play boundary or field corner. Mm. I mean, he's going to play. Whether Cormani comes or not, he's going to play. And I think he's also a guy that has an opportunity at some point because he's a smart kid. He could play free safety for you at some point if other guys figured it out. He is what you're looking for. He can play anywhere in secondary. Never have enough of those guys. So, And don't count out Antoine Jackson either. uh, I know he enrolled a year earlier than, than normal, but when you see him run around the field, when I, I saw him at Dillard and stuff, that's not a normal athlete. He's a kid that's very similar to Damari. Why not? Um, he's a mature kid. Uh, he, he can figure it out. And especially if they're going to play a lot of man coverage, Jackson can do that. He, he's long as all get out. There's a reason Georgia wanted it. Mm-hmm. If Georgia recruits you early as a corner, there's really not a lot I need to tell you. They don't miss at corner. So Miami was fortunate to flip him as well. They'll be just fine at corner. That's well said. Guys, you want to make sure you follow Brian Smith on Twitter at FBScout underscore Florida. Check out his work at allhurricanes.com and around Fan Nation. Brian, I can't thank you enough for taking the time, sir. Enjoy your weekend coming up. Thank you. Have a great one.
You too. Everyone, thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen. Make Locked On College Basketball the newest show on the Locked On College channel your second listen. Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton take you around the college hoops landscape with big-name guests, including coaches, players, analysts. They do an awesome job covering college hoops every single day on uh, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get your pods. We will talk to you guys again. Maybe not till Monday, maybe sooner. We'll see what happens on another Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.